Opinions Unqualified. Um, it's a rainy Monday in Perth, um, and we're here recording Opinions Unqualified. Um, Sam, welcome. Uh, thanks. Uh, it's good to be here. Another, another Monday. Uh, rolling. Well, it's March 1, and it is pretty loud out there. So if you hear a little rain outside, that's our ambient noise um, that we're providing for you for free. Um, so enjoy it. Um, I can't believe the weather changed so quickly, Sam. Yeah, we had um, a really good run of good weather, and now it's um, come all down on us now. Yeah, yeah. Um, today we've got a very, very special guest. Um, I owe this um, lady a lot because she's one of my superstars, I'd say. She's, she trusts me to give her court time <laughs> at points in time, but more importantly, um, yeah, she's one of the strongest women I know, uh, running her own business and and obviously moved across the, the world to, to live in a, a new country, um, so which always impresses me. Um, so welcome, Amber. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Well, thanks for being on. Um, I know that uh, your work colleague uh, does a podcast, um, <laughs> and uh, we're competing, competing <laughs> pods here, um, but I'm really, really glad that uh, you've decided to jump on ours as well, so I appreciate it. Thanks. Well, I give them grief all the time of why I'm not on it yet, and they keep telling me I'll get on, so I figure it's on them for not getting me on that one first. Yeah, well, we have uh, we have definitely cracked the cherry uh, when it comes to the, the pods we've heard, so I uh, appreciate you being here. Um, what I wanted to talk about first with you is the Land Performance Centre. Um, it's... Uh, from Sam and I's perspective, uh, it's one of the best facilities in Perth when it comes to um, uh, not just um, training, uh, but uh, I guess a, a whole a, a whole athlete experience. Um, you've got the gym in there, you've got obviously a, a basketball court and some baskets, got a shooting gun, and then obviously your own experience in training as well as um, Sean, who, we, who we've discussed before, and, and what he's done with athletes in Perth. Um, it's very impressive. Um, so just if you wanted to give us a little spiel about you know, why, and, and then obviously, you know, the excitement around, around the center itself, I guess. Oh, cool. Yeah, the why probably goes back to when I was 16, and I kind of had this dream, whatever as you do when you're a teenager, of, oh, it would be really cool to kind of have this basketball court and maybe a gym around there, and then it kind of just tabled because life happens, you graduate high school, I went to, I went to college, and part of my university degree was doing exercise physiology. As part of the requirements for that, I did a 450-hour prac in a center that trained kids. And I feel really lucky because I was like, wow, I really love this. This is amazing. This is definitely what I want to do with my life post-basketball. And so, again, just kind of tabled that, played basketball, got to the stage where I was like, okay, let's start setting myself up for life after basketball. And I looked around Perth of like, where do people actually train kids? Because surely there's a place I can get a job. I'll be good to go. And there was a few places that dabbled, but nobody really focused on it. So I started my own, um, started working out of a gym, then rented some space in a church, and eventually was in a place where I could open the Land Performance Center. So that's kind of the why and the before that not a lot of people know probably. Um, and then... What it ended up looking like, as you said, it's half basketball court, half gym, um, and yeah, we have a lot of really cool people that come and train there, which makes it fun for me. Yeah, definitely. I, th I think there's a real buzz, and, and which is exciting because usually after a venue opens, there's a buzz for a short period of time, but mm -hmm. you've been open for a year uh, now, and you've obviously had the turmoil of dealing with COVID and closures and all those sorts of things, but there's, there's definitely a real buzz around the facility still, um, and I don't think it's... Um, because you don't seem you don't have a huge social media presence. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of what you do is 
is is trust in you and um, your reputation more than anything else. Which uh, I think if you're building a, a business um, organically, uh, that's that's how it works. People trust you. They come in and they know you're going to do the right thing by them. Um, so I think that's that's exciting for a facility facility like that. Um, I'd imagine you've probably sparked the interest of some other other parties, and, and things will start to pop up. Um, around that are, that are similar, but how do you how do you differentiate yourself from others? I guess when I guess there's so many people that claim to be specialist basketball trainers, <laughs> and I'll say that very loosely. Um, so how do you differentiate yourself? I guess right, other than the facility, because hmm. I imagine there will be people that sort of jump on this wagon at some point. Yeah, and I imagine there'll be a few facilities that pop up. Thankfully, we were the first, which is or one of the first, which makes it really exciting because then everybody else is kind of chasing us. We made a decision fairly early on in planning stages that we weren't going to do skills training. That, that was never going to be our main focus. That was never going to be a big issue. Um, one, because it's not the huge passion of mine. Um, and two, there's 14 other academies, organizations around Perth that do that. And when you're in such stiff competition, people will go to what's shiny at the moment. They don't necessarily care about substance or, or any of that. They just go to where the cool place is or where their friends are. Um, so that was kind of the decision to stay away from any sort of skills training or very minimal skills training. Um, my passion is in strength and conditioning and training kids to essentially move better. Um, Sean, who we've talked about, does a lot of work with professional, semi-professional athletes. And so it's created this really cool dynamic that we've kind of talked about in that this culture that happens is people go there to get better. They don't go there to compete against somebody else. They go there to train hard and be the best, best version of themselves they can be. Um, and with the different age groups, it's been really cool, the culture that's been created rather organically, which is what we wanted because we didn't want to sacrifice culture at the cost of people through the door. And thankfully, we have great people that come through, and it's not uncommon to see you know, a guy in their 30s that's training, giving a high five to a kid that's 10 mm. and just this mutual encouragement. And then these, you know, 10, 16 year olds, you know, look up to these SBL player or NBL one West players that are in there and they're like, oh, like they're doing that. And I'm doing basically the same thing, just different. And it's really cool that they can kind of measure themselves over where they need to get to. Yeah, I think that's probably the most exciting. I know when I was a kid and I was coming up, just to be in the presence of some of those senior players, I was like, whoa. Uh, and then you get older and you realise that they're just as flawed as all of us. But, um, you know, I think it's great exposure for those kids to see mm -hmm. probably more the work rate. I don't think kids understand how hard you have to work um, to separate yourself from the rest of the competition, I guess. Um, so I think them being able to see that and seeing those athletes working at that sort of level must sort of change their mindset a little bit. Do you see that often? Yeah, it's it's interesting because it's rare that I see the direct correlation or a kid comments to me of, oh, oh, they're working really hard today. You know, they might comment about the weight they're lifting or this or how much weight is that on the bar? And they'll like try to do the math and add it up and then their eyes get all big as they realize just how much they're lifting and then they – you know, they're like, I did the bar for the first time today. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's cool to see the comparison. And they probably can't make the connection of just how hard they had to work to get there. But they understand the difference, which I think is half the battle. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, um, I've been there a couple of times now. It's um, a good community. Um, and I think that's the, like, I think 
even if they don't plan it properly, you know, like, you're like, you know, like, you get into something new and you're like, how can I work for myself? How can I start this? And I think the, the main thing is community, isn't it? Like, all the best stuff. I watched one about a, there was a skateboarding brand in New York or something like that. And it was just these couple of dudes that needed a place to skate. And just, um, I don't think they even paid for like, it was in a good spot, didn't pay for it or like paid minimal rent. And they were like, we just skated. And then that brought people in skating. And then they're like, we had like one clothes rack of clothes and people started buying it. But they were like, we were just there skating. So like our customer service was terrible. Like people would be like asking for a shirt and they're just like, yeah, go to the rack, like grab it. Because they had such a good like community mm. and everyone went there to skate and that and then it just built and then now it's like I forgot what skate brand is but it's one of like one of the biggest yeah. um, mm. which I guess shows the importance of community which is hard to plan for I guess like did you have much planning into community? Uh, we were strategic and I was lucky to have been in basketball circles for a while and about eighty percent of people that come through the door in some basketball circle and about 20% that aren't or are friends of somebody that is or read about us on the website. Um, when we moved into the new facility, I had about 60 or 70 kids that came with me. And so there was already a bit of that community established. And one of the things that I do with kids is I do small group training, but I don't, I don't make it mandatory that they have to know each other and necessarily like each other to train together. Yep. And so... Which is like a real environment. Yeah. So... Yeah, and so one of the benefits of that is kids actually get a chance to train together with, with people that they might play against. And so on a Wednesday, I've had an under-18 Senators girl, an under-18 Wolves girl, and an under-18 Eagles girl all training in the same group. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'll talk about the season or the opponents, but then they get really excited to play against each other because they know each other and are friends, and yeah. you know they get to prove you know, who's worked harder, but it's all in good fun. Yeah, I think a bit of friendly competition is really, really important in yeah. any sort of environment where you're trying to improve. Yeah. Like, uh, I know with the environment we're in at, at Wolves, if, if we didn't have that competitiveness, mm-hmm. um, you know, we wouldn't be as successful as we've been. So I think it's important. Um, when you're starting a new business, obviously there's some fears. Um, and particularly when you're, you're starting something as big mm. as what the LPC is because it's, you know, it was a full fit out. Yeah. Um, which uh, is expensive uh, just to start with. Um, and then, you know, obviously you've got to generate enough income to pay, obviously, your, your loans back and, mm-hmm. you know, you've got rent and, and pay wages. And mm-hmm. so was that the, the financial aspect of it, the biggest fear, or was there some fear of uh, failure, I guess, and the fact that it wouldn't work, or were you so confident that like, it didn't matter? Um. My tipping point was it's going to be harder for me to not do this than to actually do it. And so it kind of, it kind of allayed my fears. Um, I wasn't really too fearful about money. It was probably more of this is so much bigger than me. Um, I have a pretty good idea of how it's going to work, but I really don't know everything. And then I started it, and I really didn't know everything. Um, and, but going in, it was more that this is something that I have to do and I can't not do it. And so one of my, one of my goals, even when I started five years ago on a small scale, was 
to any mistakes that I made, the consequences would be small. Like make my mistakes early when the consequences are small because I know I'm going to make mistakes. I know I'm going to stuff things up. But if I can do it while the consequences are small and learn quick, then I'll be better off down the track when things get a little bit bigger. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What was the, the most challenging part setting up? Um, a couple, a couple challenges that came across the biggest one, which is still hard to talk about simply because I know it, but I still don't understand it. And, and Nixie can attest that I have a pretty high work ethic, like, and and pretty high standards. And so for me, if I'm going to do a job or put my name behind a job, it's going to be done right. And so in my head, and I grew up in a small community and it's the exact same there because you don't actually keep a business if you don't do a job well and so I'm having these trades come in to do different things to to help with the fit out and in my head like you're gonna do a good job like why wouldn't you and so I didn't I didn't check up on them I didn't manage because I didn't think I had to and so learning the hard way that things won't get done or get done right unless I'm there and managing people was a real hard lesson to learn and learning that not all people are the same in that in that aspect was was really hard and is still really hard for me to grasp because it's so far from from how I grew up from what I learned and I know it to be true but it still doesn't make sense yeah and I think yeah you you want to give people the benefit of the doubt that they'll come in and be honest and and do the right thing and but the reality is uh, sometimes they're they're on a paycheck and they just rock up and do the bare minimum Um, and you see it all the time which is really disappointing I guess but it is what it is, I say. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, I mean, you know, some of those people might have been doing it for so long and hate the job or something like, I don't know, you know, like, I guess it's bad, but, yeah. you know, I guess everyone's got their reasons, maybe, yeah. you know, yeah. but yeah. it's life. Before we move on to the next part, I just want to say, just on behalf of, of myself and probably our, our pod, um, congratulations on the initial your first oh, 12 months of thank Freight, you. I guess, in the new place, obviously being gone for a long time. Yeah, thanks. Um, from me personally, I'm very proud of you and what you've oh, achieved. And I appreciate that. I think you're doing an amazing job and uh, we're really looking forward to throwing some cash at you to hire the court out and we will do yes. some skill stuff for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to happen soon. Bring it on. Um, talking about basketball... Um, you obviously went to college mm-hmm. um, in the States and uh, had a, a very good collegiate um, career or experience. Mm-hmm. And then you've been around to a, a number of countries, but you've been in Australia the, the longest. Mm-hmm. And now you, you're an Australian citizen, yes. which is fantastic for me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can still get too important. <laughs> um, but you're one of us uh, now. Yes. And I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about your journey because mm-hmm. it's a, a little different. Um, I think everyone that, that sort of comes to Australia, feels like they're going to come out for a year or so or a season and, and then come back, but you've stayed here. So just yeah, tell us a little bit about your journey and, and what's led you to, to now probably being under the best coach in WSBL history. Or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, that's clearly a, a fact that's non, non-argumentative. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I finished playing my college ball, and I and I didn't know what I was going to do with my life, as a lot of people do when they finish high school, they finish uni. You're kind of stuck in this limbo of everything has been planned for me up until this point. Now I have to make a decision. And I was playing some pickup games at the rec, at the local rec at the university, and I'd come home, and I had a blast. I'd played for, you know, three, four hours, just because that's what you do. And... Like, something still felt like it was missing. And I realized that it was because the basketball didn't matter. 
like I'd leave and go home and everybody forgot about the games. Nobody thought twice about it. And so I pursued playing overseas, got in touch with an agent um, and kind of got in in Adelaide, first of all, and played a season there, which was interesting. (laughs) (laughs) We we didn't win a game. Um, The first game we lost by 46 points, I believe. And wow. so that was a that was a shock to the season. I think the team I was on hadn't won a game for two years, something like that. So it was, and Nixie knows how competitive I am and how much I hate losing. Yep. And that's why we get along. Especially <laughs> <laughs> first season as well. That would have been like a like oh no, what Yeah, it was it was eye opening. And what was hard for me is there's a lot of culture shock and a lot of a lot of different culture shock because Australia is very Western. And so at first glance, it doesn't look different. And so we lost by 46 points, but then there was girls laughing and joking in, you know, in the stadium. Wait, the game just ended 10 minutes ago. Why are you laughing? I don't understand. Um, That's like, why they had one of the And so once I adjusted to that, like I just worked my butt off because I knew why, why I was there and why, um, why I wanted to play. And I knew it was a stepping stone to get out because as much as I had a decent college career, my numbers weren't fantastic. And so I knew once I got my foot in the door, it would make everything a whole lot easier. Uh, there was a guy, Kevin Brooks, who worked at the stadium that I played at in Adelaide, who did some skills training with me, which was fantastic, really changed the way I thought about the game and how I approached the game. Um, and, and a lot of that's in, in college in America, you play in a system and you play your role in the system. When you come out as an import, you have to do everything. And, I mean, I rebounded really well that season because that was the easiest way for me to get the ball. Um, I think I averaged like 18 rebounds that season, 18 rebounds a game, Six, 16 or 18. It was in the high teens regardless. And, and a lot of that was because it was easier for me to go get an offensive rebound than to get a pass in because I was the best player on the team by a margin. And so then it, you're playing with double and triple teams which then it's less about making the right decision for the team and just finding a way to make a play. And so moving from a college mindset where everything is system-based, like you play in the system. If it's your job to make plays, then you make plays. If it's your job to make passes, you make passes. If it's yeah. your job to do whatever, like you do what's, whatever is your job. And so thankfully I learned that in my first season overseas, got a couple chances in other, in other leagues to play really well, bounced around for – I think I think I worked it out that for five years I didn't I wasn't in the same place for more than six months, which is quite a challenging lifestyle. And yeah. I know a lot of professional basketball players live like that. Um, and I kind of reached the stage where when I came out to Perth, I was like, "All right, this is it. This is the last stop. I'm not moving again. If I don't like it here, I'll go back to the states and get a boring job, and or I'll stay at the same club for till I finish out playing." And here I am, still playing. <laughs> So it ended up being a really good situation for us. Yeah. Where we're at. But I guess probably the, 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 the one thing I want to talk about more than anything else is you mentioned with imports, you have to do everything. Mm. Um, it's a major part of your income, particularly mm. when you first come out. Um, that's how you're basically earning your living. What sort of pressure do you put on yourself to, to perform? And you know, how do you, what were different ways that you'd use to, to be able to, I, I guess, um, subdue? you know, those, that, that pressure and, and get through and, and perform at a high level? Yeah, there's a lot of pressure. Um, thankfully, I'm competitive, so it kind of 
it kind of helps because I wanted to win and I wanted to do whatever it took to win. And so if that means I needed to add something to my game, I was in the gym working to add something to my game. Um, in terms of pressure on myself, I've always been pretty hard on myself and I found it probably one of the biggest challenge, biggest, biggest changes in how I responded to games going from college to, to pro or semi-pro was that I didn't sleep after losses and, and I really struggled when I'd have an off game. And, and so like the first season, I think, and we lost a lot of games, as I mentioned, (laughs) I think there was maybe one time I was asleep before 4 a.m. And so when it just kind of, you know, snowballs a bit because then it, if you're not sleeping well, you're not doing a lot of things well. And so I had to learn at one stage how to deal with that. Um, and I'm much better now. And so you learn strategies and, and you figure out how to switch off basketball, which yeah. is quite challenging. Um, and I kind of have two hats. There's like basketball Amber and then real Amber or person Amber or however, yeah, human Amber. <laughs> yeah, non-basketball Amber. And that kind of helps me switch a little bit now. Um, and it gets easier the more you do it with practice, like most things. But yeah, that was the real, real big challenge in unwinding after games. Yeah. And even like with being a, a professional athlete, especially in basketball, coaches look at numbers first and film second. So if your numbers aren't good, then it doesn't actually matter how good you are of a role player, for lack of a better better some term. Coaches. Yeah, some coaches. <laughs> some coaches. Um, most coaches. And the per- perception very much is within the athletes, within the agents, that good numbers will get you a good job. And, and so when you have coaches that don't necessarily understand that or don't play you the minutes you need to get the numbers that you know will get you a good job – it's it's really frustrating because it's your livelihood like this is my job and you're not it's not a good system for me to play in or it's not a you know you're asking me to do things that are outside the scope of how I play well Um, and managing managing expectations having conversations with coaches that aren't used to that aren't at the level that you're used to coming from you know an NCAA school is there's all those challenges that come and, and frankly, being female, it's taken less well when I say, hey, it, this needs to change, I need the ball, yeah. versus a male saying that, it becomes, I'm seen as having a whinge where a man is seen as just demanding the ball. Yeah, yeah. yeah and it's, probably, yeah, it's definitely a perception that's, that's held out there. And, hmm. um, I think it's changed slightly. Yeah, over, over I would agree. Years. Yeah, I think, I think now like there's a real... I'm, I'm a big advocate for females mm. in sport and you know I, I invest a lot of time and energy into to our program um, and not just our team but our program our girls program mm-hmm. at the at our club and we've seen massive growth in numbers and mm-hmm. just the, the our ability to um, you know perform at a higher level um, so hopefully now that I'm not there anymore it doesn't change <laughs> but um, you know they're at, at the club full time but anyway um, we do talk about a lot of basketball. <laughs> um, what I wanted to shift to was the now that you're an Australian, mm-hmm. so that's very, as we said, very exciting. What? Because um, your family's still in, in the yes. States. So that's a massive decision for someone to make, mm-hmm. to, to become a citizen of another country yeah. um, on the other side of the world. So um, obviously you love the place. Mm-hmm. Maybe give us 
the five best things about Australia. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, I think the five Perth. best things. Perth. Oh, Perth, actually. Yeah, let's go Perth. Five best things about Ooh, Perth. five best things about Perth. Yeah, five best things about Perth. I think that's... Yeah, because yeah. there's got to be some pretty strong um, reasons, you know? Yeah. Um, to be able to want to... Not even... It's not that... Yeah. To be away from your family, you know, there's got to be some pretty strong reasons on the other side to make it mm. um, work, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll start with the opportunity to play at a high-level competitive basketball because in the States, it's essentially you're either playing in the WNBA or you're playing in rec ball. Rec ball. Um, there are a couple leagues that are kind of popping up, but they're, they're hard to make sustainable, for lack of a better way to put it. So that would be the number one reason. The lifestyle, people here have it really easy and I wish more Perth people since we're talking Perth would appreciate how easy their life is and yep. be, be that wages healthcare, time off you know just weather, weather. Yep. Um, speaking of which we'll throw in weather I grew up in North Dakota <laughs> um, that's what, what weather. yeah weather and beach we'll, we'll kind of tie them in together yep. um, yeah North Dakota snows here it does not which sort of leads me to, with still obviously that was point three, but yeah. you've told me in the past that the beach is your like haven, mm. it's your place where you can go and think. Yeah. I think that's bizarre considering you come from North Dakota, <laughs> no beach within you know, two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just some place, and maybe it was because I grew up without one that it really kind of once I experienced it, really kind of drew me in, and it, um, and like I said earlier being able to switch off is really hard for me. So having a place where there's enough happening to kind of lull me into this kind of calmer, calmer place of being is, is helpful. Um, so I'm on, I'm on three. Um, I know my number five, my number four, let's say, let's say people like I met some cool people and some really great people, which made it easier to stay and you build relationships wherever you go. And thankfully Aussies are pretty cool. Yeah. most of the time yeah. 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 yeah and and for a fifth just because i can and maybe it'll get me more court time um <laughs> i'll throw nixie in there for my number five yeah i think it's a, a wonderful place to live and um like you say, I think there's a lot of people that don't really understand that haven't been around the world or live somewhere else and how well we've got it here. And obviously on this pod, we're massive advocates of Perth. We've always mentioned Perth and, and what we're doing. So um, we love having you um, mm. as an Aussie. I think I think the more people like Amber in the country, the better for, for mm-hmm. everyone. I think people that work hard, that are honest, that are genuine um, and that, that obviously care about other people in general, I think that we don't have enough of it. Well, it's obvious because Amber's keep, kept us in on a couple Friday nights, which is um, very helpful for us and yeah. our well-being. Our well-being, yeah. Well, my well-being on the Saturday was, was <laughs> yeah, so yeah, sad. Yeah, two and a half hours of basketball. But, you know, she's saying she played for four hours. <laughs> I'm like, far out. I reckon I would have died. So um, the challenges obviously recently have been COVID, mm. uh, not just for your business. Um, luckily, we got a season in because I think that helped us stay sane more than absolutely because we're competitive beings and we, we need that mm-hmm. in our life um but as you say your family's the other side of the world so mm-hmm. how and it's probably not something you want to talk about mm-hmm. but how, how difficult is it 
knowing that it's going to be really, really, really hard, mm. near, near impossible to, to go over at the moment. Because I guess the other times that you went without a global pandemic, yeah. you can say, oh, I can buy a flight for a couple of grand and mm. I can go over and I can see them. Yeah. Is that probably the biggest thing at the moment? You just, you can't? Yeah, a bit of that and a bit of, like when I first decided to live here, I'm like, right, I'll just keep a couple of grand in a bank account that I don't touch, that I know I can be back in the States in 24 to 36 hours. Like if something happens and that was kind of my, okay, I can manage that. Um, and then the pandemic hit and it's kind of like, well, borders are closed or are they, or who's allowed to travel or who isn't. And, and instantly when this lockdown happens, like one of the first thoughts is, oh no, what if something happens to my family? And very, very quickly I go, we're not going to think about that because it's not a positive, like it, there's not a good answer to it. Um, and that's the reality and, and the reality that I chose to live over here on the other side of the world. And as much as I love Perth, it's not all positive. It is, it is a long way back to my family and not an easy trip at the best of times and and now isn't the best of times to say the least um and i'm sure many people that live in different countries or even different sides of the countries have missed weddings and funerals and babies and all that sort of stuff um and it's hard and that's just the reality of it's hard technology is makes it a whole lot better i can't imagine what it was like 20 to 30 years ago um so technology helps a lot but it's hard I know, because I, I know, I hear stories about, you know, families that have been separated for months and months and mm-hmm. months and months, like up to 12 months where, you know, dad was away working and he can't get back into the country, mm. even as an Australian, and he hasn't seen his kids. And I think, if you think about, I always think about, when I think about kids' ages, I always think about percentages, oh. so the percentage of yeah. their life. Yeah. So if there's a three, you know, a three-year-old turning four, mm-hmm. you know, that's 25% of his life that his dad's or mum yeah. has missed. You know, that's a big part of their yeah, life, it is. big part of their development. So I guess with that, I know it's hard for everyone, but I guess when you're thinking about, at least with adults, we can communicate and we yeah. can, but if you've got a young kid and you're not seeing them, well, that just breaks my heart. But anyway, that's enough sad <laughs> stuff. It absolutely kills me. Talk about good stuff. Not for us though, Sam. Cardboard. Oh, cardboard. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, obviously I'm a, an avid collector and I, we do um, bring it up every once in a while um, the uh, basketball cards and trading cards and how well they're going and um, my friend sent me a um, photo today of um, someone purchasing a Luka Doncic uh, card for 4.8 million (laughs) dollars and that just blows my mind that a basketball card made out of cardboard is worth 4.8 million dollars yeah, and look, I, I want, I, I've been thinking about it all day, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. And I've even, you know, and it's like, I mean, there was cards going for about $50,000 before, and, you know, people are like, whoa, this is That's insane. That's still ridiculous. You know, like, this is insane. But now someone's just blown everyone out of the water and just said, well, I'm just going to spend $4.8 million yeah. on a card. Um, look, whether it's, whether he's just that filthy rich... And he needs like a little bit of publicising, you know. And he's like, you know, I'm just going to buy a basketball card for four point eight million and get my photo put around everywhere. And um, but no one's going to remember that dude. They're just going to remember that the card was bought for four point eight million. Yeah, but his name will be out there. What is it? I don't know. Yeah. So you <laughs> or what if it's a she? Yeah. 
publish it. No, it was a picture of Okay, it. okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, yeah. But about yeah, 4.8 million. So before we were recording, Amber mentioned something actually quite interesting when it comes to this the auctioning of this car. That someone was willing to pay yeah. 4.7. <laughs> so it's not yeah, just one other dude. people, yeah. There's other people that are thinking, I am going to spend 4 point something million on a basketball car. I think that's ridiculous anyway. Well, yeah, I don't know. It's really interesting. Um, yeah, I guess that's what... It's investing, and it's weird how um, the price can rise just because of interest, and then it's like the power of people wanting to have that one thing or that thing that other people don't have and how far that can go. <laughs> 4800000 yeah, How much money does the guy have to start with? Um, this weekend was a long weekend. It was. Um, and what I was thinking, and I've been thinking this most long weekends, because you talk to your friends and you're there and you go, well, what is the long weekend for? And I still have no idea what the long weekend for. I'm not complaining about it, but do you think, <laughs> you know, is that... Like, is that, does that reflect on me bad? Because I don't know what weekend it was. Uh, I think 99% of the population probably doesn't know. Um, and probably another 5% could throw out a name, but are probably not 100% sure. Yeah, um, well, I, um, I actually didn't know it was a long weekend until about Wednesday. <laughs> so it was like, honestly, like Christmas. I get a Wednesday and they go, oh, it's a long weekend this weekend. I'm like, really? <laughs> yes. I get an extra day on the weekend? That's the best. Did you know what weekend it was, Amber? I did, but only because, similar thing, it was Monday or Tuesday, and I didn't know it was a long weekend, and then it's like, oh, what long weekend is this actually? So I look it up, because I'm trying to be a good Australian. (laughs) (laughs) And it's actually Labor Day. Labor Day. Labor Day. But only in WA. It's not across the world, or not across the country. Yeah. Well, I think that's, there's a couple of, like, the Queen's birthday. Yeah, I think she has, like, four of them, something like that. And they're different days. (laughs) I might just start having a birthday every, every two months. Yeah, I'd, you know, I'd celebrate that. <laughs> Just think how old you would get, though. Yeah. No, yeah. we won't count. We won't count my age. We'll go down a year. Maybe you could have, like... Go down one year, up one year. You know, quarter, mm-hmm. like, went quarter every Ooh. quarter or something. So, yeah. yeah, like quarter. So you, yeah. Like, you're, you're 23 and a quarter. Yeah. That well, some places celebrate half birthdays. Especially, yeah, in schools in the States, kids that have their birthdays during the summer holidays, oh. they get to celebrate their half birthday at school. They should, do that. they should have done that with me because my birthday is two days after Christmas yeah. and I never got to celebrate my birthday at school, ever. Mm. And all my friends would go away. That time <laughs> yeah. It's a tough one. Yeah, it is. December birthdays are hard. Yeah. I've got my 40th this year though, Sam. And that's I'm already telling you. I've already, I've already cleared out the, yeah. the week. Yeah. I'm ready. You guys can't go away at Christmas. That's just, <laughs> that's just, it's going to happen. It's going to be a big one. So, um, talking about long weekend, what tends to happen on long weekends is people get out and they do things that they don't usually do because they feel like they've got an extra day and they can actually do some do some things. So you guys do anything interesting over the weekend? Not really, um, but I did, did venture out and I was thinking like it's so, bu- it was so busy and like also just in terms of families mm. and I was thinking like why, why on this Sunday do you have to go out with your family? You know, like... Sh- it just felt really busy, and it was like it was almost like it's like oh we got a public holiday on Monday. It's because the parents don't have to work on the Monday. That's why they go out because it takes a lot of time to organise lunches and get them ready for school, and it's a big job, Sam. I bet it is. <laughs> I, don't I don't do know. any of that. But <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, it's just like I don't know. Like I feel, I feel they could. You know, I don't know why it's so busy, but 
And then also, it's really busy at places of um, drinking. Mm. Um, and look at had the longest line I've ever seen in my life. So how long was this line? Um, well, if you know where Lookout is, and then you know where Peach Pit is. Ooh. Like that long, like. So that's like. Like the El Grotto line and the and the Lookout line were kind of like muddled up. So it's like oh. 500 metres. It, yeah, it was really long. And people were in it. People were smiling. People were happy. <laughs> I don't, don't know whether like people just, I don't know, maybe long weekend, you know, it was a hot day, maybe they were just a bit razzled and dazzled and maybe thought they were waiting in line. Like they could be giving free hair implants <laughs> and I wouldn't be waiting in that line. <laughs> That's how long that sounds. Yeah, I, I just... What's the longest you've waited in line? I think we've discussed yeah, it before. Yeah, we, we've done it. Um, well, at um, Orlando, at yeah. one of the theme park, a couple of hours. Yeah. But what makes it worth waiting in a line, Amber? Oh, the company you're with, the people you're with. Because if you're with people that are entertaining and keep you laughing and engaged, the time goes really, really quick. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I don't mind waiting in lines. <laughs> If I'm having a gag or... If I'm in one of those moods where I'll talk to anyone, they're, they're good lines. Cause yeah. Because you meet strangers and you talk to them. And as long as they're talkative and want mm -hmm. to... You, know, you can learn a lot about a person in a line. You a lot can. about a stranger. You can. You can. But so did you wait in that line? No. No way. No. We went to the one place where there was... Well, actually, there was a bit of a line. But, um, yeah, we were just like, we just want to have, you know, a couple of... A drink or two. Um... So we'll just go to wherever there's the shortest line. And yeah. we waited like five minutes. Okay. Mm. Five minutes is acceptable. Yeah. I, I, I can live with a five minute line. Yeah. I don't think anywhere, anywhere's worth waiting too long. Like at all. Mm. No. Nah. Oh, time's too valuable. And the older you get, the more you realise that time is more valuable. So I just don't think waiting lines. Um, you've been spending a lot more time with your nephew recently, Sam. Yeah, I have a bit. And I've, I've found out that SpongeBob is, um, is good to get him sitting down he's a very energetic kid mm. um, so it's good to get him sitting down and Spongebob seems to be the one um, but I've also in that turn I've realised that I actually don't mind watching Spongebob myself so what draws you to a cartoon Sam and I was kind of the same thing if there's any cartoon she watches but what would draw you to a Spongebob over something else I don't know I, I didn't realise I, did, I mean I did watch it when I was younger um, and then I had a big hiatus of not watching Spongebob. Um, I find his be best mate hilarious. That's why I've watched Spongebob. Yeah. yeah. He is funny. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I don't know. But it intrigued me that I was watching it, even though I had a plan to watch something else, and it, that kind of just ended up staying on the TV. But a bit of everything, I guess. It's just entertaining, maybe. I don't know. Uh, Emma, did you watch Spongebob? <laughs> <laughs> Watch TV. I own a business, remember? Yeah, There's yeah, yeah. A, um, I watch sport on TV, and that's pretty much it, an occasional, occasional comedy or something. Um, but on those lines, I think the best cartoons are the ones that have, like, two levels of dialogue yeah. that – are simultaneous. So one's right at the kids' level, and there's one that goes over the kids' heads. Yep. See, yeah. those are the best kinds. Yeah, like Shrek. I think Shrek is one of the most underrated movies yeah. of all time because some of the humor in that, kids would never get. Yes. And then they get to a certain age and they watch it back. Again. Like, oh, oh, did they really say that? So uh, yeah, I think yeah, I agree with you. I think those ones in the state. 
it's obviously we we've got a very um, Americanized mm. um, television, I guess. Um, that wasn't good English. <laughs> but what sort of what sort of shows when you were growing up did you watch? I was a very sheltered kid, yeah. and so I was not allowed to watch cartoons. And so once I got past the past the age of, um, I suppose being able to choose what shows I did watch, which into my teenage years, I found Tom and Jerry really, really quite amusing and like Roadrunner. So a yeah. bit, bit more the physical humor, real lighthearted things that make you happy to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the Roadrunner. That's hilarious. <laughs> have, yeah, 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 I was. Yeah. You, uh, you're looking uh, confused. No, have no, you even actually seen no, it? Yeah, I have seen. I have seen that. Um, no, and I've seen Tom and Jerry. It's just Kyan, Kyan went through a phase where he'd watch Tom and Jerry all the time. Mm-hmm. Like he just like Tom and Jerry, Tom and Jerry, Tom and Jerry. Um, he like now he wants to watch um, the yeah adult more adult stuff. <laughs> he wants to watch Die Hard, <laughs> which is a, very different to Tom and Jerry. <laughs> At least it's not American Pie, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I've been particularly after Saturday um, when I felt like I'd been hit by a truck, and I honestly did. Like I hadn't felt that sore in uh, probably my life, and I'd played a lot of footy and broke bones and all sorts of stuff, but I was just sore all over. Um, I was thinking, because I've been told before I should start taking like fish oil. Mm, yeah, fish oil is good. Yeah, fish oil mm. for my, my joints and um, magnesium for muscle soreness or something. Someone's mm. been telling me to yeah. do that. So I wanted to talk to you guys briefly just about vitamins. If you've heard anything about vitamins, do you believe in vitamins? Is it worth me investing some money in vitamins? Um, so yeah, advise, advise me. Um, well, I, I have some uh, vitamin C sometimes. Is that the sun one? No, the orange juice one. Orange yeah. juice has vitamin C. Yeah. yeah. Um, do I notice? I don't know. I just kind of, if I feel like a bit, like, maybe like a runny note, or, you know, like you can feel mm. like a little bit, I might smash a couple of vitamin Cs a couple of days. And, but Also when you're getting a cold? Yeah, or something like that. Um, do you reckon the uh, COVID vaccine's just, like, crushed up vitamin C? <laughs> <laughs> maybe. You, know, you never know. Surely they would have rolled it out sooner if that was yeah, the case. Yeah. <laughs> well, apart from that, not really. I don't, um, I don't, because fish oil tablets, it's only if you, you should have either fish oil, like a fish oil tablet a day, or eat fish two times a week. Oh, okay. Right, so you can do that. But I, um, there's a, there's like a thing, I think it's called Alpha Brain, and Joe Rogan, um, owns it or so you know it's like part owner or something like that and it's supposed to another guy with a podcast yeah. nearly as big as us I know, <laughs> trying to be like yeah us. trying to be like uh, us, yeah. and it's like to in, uh, increase like brain productivity and all that kind of stuff which i've been tempted to to try out but i'm also a bit scared when it says like brain stuff because it's like what's it going to do to my brain <laughs> is it vitamin something you've um, yes, I swear by magnesium. It's how I've played as well as I have for as long as I have, arguably, um, along with a host of other factors. But I, after a tough game, I probably take about four or five before I go to bed. And it dramatically, I notice when I've taken it and when I haven't. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Like, if you're as sore as you said you were, which I fully believe you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, magnesium will change your life. Probably didn't help the 
four beers I yeah. straight after. But, yeah. but I find there's a difference too in like the good stuff, like the health food ma- health food store magnesium and like the Woolies magnesium. There is a difference. There is a difference? There is a difference. So the health food one is better? Yeah. And the health food stores that have like people there that you can ask, they'll point you in the direction of which one's better. Because there's like four different types of magnesium. And if it has all four, it does a better job than if it just has like one or two. That is the thing about vitamins as well, because there's like different, there could be like a slight difference yeah. in the thing or something like that. So, See, I, I wouldn't even know what, like, because people talk about multivitamins and this, mm. and I wouldn't even know where to start, to be honest. But magnesium sounds like a, a good one. If Amber <laughs> takes it, I'll trust her. We'll try it out next, uh, next pickup. Next pickup. Yeah. yeah. I think I'll need it. So, yeah. Eight magnesium tablets. <laughs> yeah. If you take four, I'm taking 16. Yeah. Well, and I think you can't take too much. I could be mistaken, but. They basically say anything your body doesn't absorb, you'll pee it out, essentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. So. Okay. Yeah. Magnesium. <laughs> um, Amber, thank you very much for coming on the pod. Um, oh, thanks so much for having me. Um, those that are listening, uh, if you get a chance, get on social medias and follow Land Performance Center. Um, yes. If you've got young athletes particularly uh, that want to um, learn how to lift and move and um, just increase strength and you know, the important things with any sport, um, contact Amber at Land Performance Centre because she does an amazing job. Um, Sam, I hope you have a wonderful week, mate. We get to work together again tomorrow. I know, I know. I love it. Uh, fun times. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, thanks, uh, thanks for listening and get on our socials and support us and those that, that uh, have been supporting us. Cheers.